Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for A Night in Old Mexico. This isn't the uh, Bovie Ranch, is it? Well, it was. Now it's Rancho Vista Estates. What do you want? I'm your grandson. How'd you lose your ranch? Damn conspiracy. You'll make some good friends here, Mr. Bovie. You'll see. Ain't no living in no damn tin can. Timmy, come on now. Let's go. Get your damn hand off my Cadillac. Jesus Christ! I got some singing and dancing. And a woman, I want a woman. A woman? Are you going with me? Speak up. Go, yes yeah, or no? Yeah, yeah. I'll go, I'll go. Good. Slow down. Y'all going down south of Mexico? I gladly buy the gas. I seen you got some beer right there, too. Yeah, I don't remember saying that beer was community property. Say, oh man, pull over. I gotta take a leak. Good idea. Come on, Gally. Let's boogie woogie! That old man and that kid, they got it. They left a few bucks in the car. Ain't nothing to dwell on. 50,000. I think somebody's looking for us. What's the missing? Drop the money. Over my dead body. You have the money, don't you? You stupid little gringo. You're just going to have to find somebody else to pick on, see? I'm old. I'm broken, I'm alone, and I'm more scared of dying with somebody spoon-feeding me oatmeal than anything else in the world. I'm gonna get your money back. Forget about the money. You're all I got left in the world now. Here's the deal, mister. I come for my money. No man like you should die in bed. Not this cowboy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator from the Museum of the Moving Image, David Schwartz, and tonight's guest, Academy Award-winning actor, Robert Duvall. Okay. Well, I'm very honored to be here with you, and I, I love this new movie. Uh, could you, um, I guess just to start off with, tell us a little bit about the, the character that you play, Red Bovey, in this film. Yeah, well, Red Bovey, uh, pretty interesting character. I, uh, he was started about 30 years ago by w Bill Whitliff, a wonderful Texas writer, who uh, also wrote uh, the, the, the screenplay, the teleplay for, uh, for, for Lonesome Dove from the great novel by McMurtry. And, and he had this already, but we waited many, many years to get this off the ground. But it's almost as if this character, Red Bowie, is a descendant of those guys from Lonesome Dove. And uh, it's a character I always wanted to play. And, uh, it took a long time to get it off the ground. Dennis Hopper was going to direct it, then a French guy was going to direct it, and then now was a time, it was now or never, and a, and a Spanish guy showed up, Emilio Aragon, with a full crew and the money to do it in Brownsville, Texas, in the Rio Grande Valley. So we did it in only 23 days. It took him about 35 years to get it off the ground. We had 23 <laughs> days. So uh, it, was, it was a lovely movie to make and a lot of fun. and. Uh, the, the young woman, uh, Angie Cepeda, is from Colombia. They tracked her down from Madrid to, to play the Mexican. She's a wonderful actor. Her first American movie. And the young man that played my grandson is Jeremy... Jeremy Irvine was Jeremy the, Irvine, the young actor. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Joaquin Cosio, a wonderful stage actor from Mexico City, played in it. And certain actors from Spain. It was a, it was a wonderful experience working. 23 days we had to cram it in, but it was... Uh, 
was wonderful and wonderful working on this character. Titus Red Bovey was his name. <laughs> so it's a character who, who is aged. Um, so, you know, I read somewhere that you said you wanted to, to um, age, you know, wait 25 years so you could be old enough to play the character. Yeah, well, you know, when we finished uh, <laughs> Lonesome Dove, uh, Whitliff said to me, uh, now we should do, uh, you know, Night in New Mexico. I said, no, it's too soon. We got to wait. You know, I'm, I'm, I got to get a little older, you know. <laughs> so uh, we did, and uh, it, it was an interesting journey. It's interesting because Whitliff can, can be difficult to work with, great writer. But so he, uh, what he did was he, he kept putting snags in the road. And finally, about a week before we start to film, he said he's going to pull the plug on it for whatever reasons, technical reasons. So Rob Carlin and one of the producers, I said, you go to Whitliff and tell him this. And he said, if you pull the plug on this movie, it'll be more heartbreaking for Duvall, Bobby Duvall, to not do this movie than it would be for Red Bovey to lose his ranch within the movie. <laughs> so he said, I get it. So then he, we went into full production. It was greenlit, and we went from there. And it was, from what I understand, it was really done like an old-fashioned independent film. You had very low budget. You only had a few weeks Absolutely. to Absolutely. 23 days. That was it. We went down there, and, you know, semi-guerrilla filmmaking on the run. It was, it was a great experience. Sometimes when you work fast, you can only have a chance for two or three takes. Yeah. It's better. You know, I just did a film with Robert Downing. We had uh, 60 days to do it. And, you know, sometimes it's just your energy dissipates. It's better to the compact thing of having to work fast sometimes is, is very beneficial, I think. So 23 days can be okay sometimes. It was, it was fine with Emilio directing and... Uh, I, I love working in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, right there, Matamoros, right across from Mexico. And uh, you know, what is it like when you're when you're doing a film? The thing I think that's the hallmark of your acting is that you it's like you really do become this other person. I mean, I know that's the goal of of acting, but um, you seem to just really transform in a very like the character like takes over somehow. So how does that work for well, you? Well, I think the transformation is a legitimate word, but it's all also going to become an illegitimate word, because it, it always has to be you doing it. Uh -huh, right. Turned in a certain way, as if you become another character, which you kind of do, but it has to be you. You only have one set of emotions, one psyche, one temperament, and, and sometimes you become another character. If that's done cerebrally, then it could be off. It's got to come from you, from your whole human infrastructure, so to speak. So that's, that's what character acting is about. I love to do different characters, you know, whether it be this guy or when I play Joseph Stalin, where I played a Cuban barber with Richard Harris, whether I played Adolf Eichmann, you know, good guys, bad guys. I played Robert E. Lee in a movie, The Great General, that led the Southern the Confederacy. So you have to find in you what that character calls for and turn it as if it's that it is that character, but it's still you masked so to speak. Yeah. So, so what was it about, about Red that you embraced that really meant a lot to you? Because this well, is... Well, it's just, it's, it was not a difficult journey because I, 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 through the years I'd liked this character and I just followed the writing. Yeah. Once in a while you improvise, but if the writing is really, really good, you don't need to improvise. But I, I love to improvise when called for. But the script is so good. For instance, he had lines like, Am I right or Amarilla? And I had the Mexican guy come up. That really happened to Whitliff. Give me a dollar, watch me cut myself. 
had to cut marks all over, and all these different sayings from Texas, and the music, dos juntos, means two sides, the Mexican side and the Texas side, music blended, is a wonderful, wonderful type of music that was evident in the movie. So uh, many, many kind of ingredients go into it that, uh, that, that made me love this character, and I just felt that I, all I had to do was follow the text, so to speak, and I did, I did improvise one line at the end that gave me a tremendous emotional thing. I said, it was nice to see this. You're a man now to my grandson. And I, I had a new lady love that I found. My life has been turned around. And I said, I found all this. And I said, and I found me a grandson. Yeah. And when I said that word, Whitless said, I wish I'd have thought of that line. <laughs> because it, I had a truly very deeply emotional moment that was totally unplanned. Yeah. And just happened out of the blue. Wow. Well, um, well, he can take credit for it, but we know the truth now. <laughs> so we have a few clips to show. So why don't we look at the first clip and your, and your character is um, facing um, basically living, you know, having to move um, and live somewhere you don't want to live. So you, you're about to go off. Right, and they're right to take me to an old age home because I lost my little ranch, my little humble ranch on a foreclosure to the bank. And uh, they're taking me off. I find that I have a grandson on that day that I never knew I had because my son had left me, my wife had left me. I didn't even know I had a grandson until this day. And the, the lady that kind of oversaw the, the selling of the farm, the ranch, is taking me to an old age home. Okay, so let's run the first clip. That one's yours. Ain't no living in no damn tin can. No. You'll make some good friends here, Mr. Bovey. You'll see. You know this is all you can afford. I ain't going in it, not me. No. <laughs> no, man. Oh, don't be timid. Come on now, let's go. Get your damn hand off my Cadillac. Jesus Christ! Slow down. Away. Please, slow down. Slow down. I want some singing and dancing. Singing? Uh, and dancing a what? And a woman. I want a woman. A woman? What? You go with me, boy. You go with me. Speak up. Yeah, you go. Yeah, yes yeah, or no? Yeah, yeah. I'll go. I'll go. Good. Sure. Anything. Just please. Just slow down. Good. Slow down. Yeah. I had a very good stunt driver there. <laughs> a very good driver. Good, good stunt man. You know, sometimes you do your own stunts, but you had a good driver there that did that. Actually, <laughs> yeah. You seem to love your. Uh, I, I associate you with West. You know, so many great westerns you've done. You you've never lived in Texas, but you but you're. No, you know, my, no, there because no, I spent a lot of time there. Actually, my mother's people were from New Boston, Texas. Yeah. I don't know them, but I, I, I spent time. But, you know, when I was a kid, kid and at the end of World War II, I was young, and I sp my brothers and I spent two summers on my uncle's big cattle and sheep ranch in northern Montana. And I think that's what gave me an interior to, to be able to do these parts 
the beginnings of it at least, you know, to do westerns. Yeah. Horses, I like to do my own riding and all my own horse work, all my own singing, and all yeah. my own dancing in movies. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I am drawn to westerns, and I do like Texas a lot. You know, I, I do. You know, it's like a separate country, really, Texas. You know? Yeah. And you, you, um, you know, you had the, the luck of uh, working with John Wayne yeah. um, on True Grit. I mean, what was that like? I think well, he, it was nice. It was yeah. great working with John Wayne. It's, it's a different kind of filmmaking then. I'm not enamored with some of the... F old filmmakers that director said to Glenn Campbell the actor at one point he said when I say action tense up god damn it <laughs> Henry Hathaway uh, you, you yeah. don't do that with you can imagine doing that to Joe Montana in the Super Bowl I mean you don't there's a difference between intensity and tenseness you know so uh, yeah. but it was, it was it was nice working with John Wayne the Duke he was a very underrated actor because you know he, he learned his craft as he went along and by the time he did the movie The Shooter stood at the end of his career, I thought it was a wonderful performance. Yeah. It really, really was. But it was nice working on that. And they made a sequel to that and everything. But, uh, and Charlie Portis was a wonderful writer from, uh, from Arkansas. He only wrote one or two books, really, but he was a wonderful writer. And uh, it was a nice movie to work on, definitely. So how do you work with uh, directors? You, this, um, actually, I guess a Spanish director, Emmanuel Aragon? Yeah, he's, he, he's very powerful in Spain. He speaks wonderful English. Yeah. And it was fine, you know. I, I and they said, well, "Well, what was like? Why? 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 What was it like to in Texas to work with a Spanish director?" I said, "Better a director from Madrid than a hack from Dallas," you know. So, <laughs> so he was uh, he was fine to work with, you know. You know. Just, what I was wondering was like, how do you sort of build the traits of your character? Like, your character has such a particular way of talking in this movie and a laugh. I mean, he he has a real. He's a really gruff character, but like a real sense of humor also. And, and how do you sort of put together the... I just, just follow the logic of the script, really. Yeah. I just went with it and let myself be victimized in a good way by the script. I just went with it and didn't intellectualize it too much. I just let it take me. And I, you... I felt I trusted, I trusted the material, and I think I pretty much, on the best of days, trusted myself with that material. Yeah. And do you find that once you're in a character, do you pretty much, I mean, are you the type of actor who stays in character the whole time, or do you no. turn it on and off pretty easily? Yeah, I turn it on and off. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 some actors do stay in character all day long. I think that would be very tiresome, you know. <laughs> I think once you do something good, then it's, it's all you doing it. It's so you can go relax with your friends and come back, you know. I mean, some, some scenes are you know, involve a little bit uh, more, uh, you know, concentration and emotional preparation. But my, my kind of simple, simplistic form of acting is you start from zero and you, and you let the process take you to the result rather than going to the result. So I talk, you listen as we're doing now. You talk, I listen. And that, that simplicity, to be that simple, and that pure, it's not that easy always. Let, it, let us see where it takes you. Let us see where it takes you. Yeah. And if you're true to that, then you could be rewarded with some surprises around the corner that if you were trying to force it, those surprises might not happen. Yeah. Do you, it's, it, it's so great to see you in a film where you, I mean, the, the whole film is really built about, around your character, and you had one a few years ago, um, Get Low, 
do you, um, is it hard to find scripts that you want, that you want to do? You know, because yeah. we would love to see you in more films. It's, well, you know, I mean, I've done a lot of things. That, you know, yeah. it is hard to find good scripts. This is a good one. Get Low is a good one. I like it. Sometimes it's easier to raise a, it's much easier to raise a hundred million dollars with a great big name than five million or four million, you know, a low budget film. I like certain low budget films and, uh, I really like to do them, and, and, and I've had a pretty good success at doing them. But, you know, if a big film comes along, like the one I'm going to do with, I've done with Robert Downey Jr., The Judge, we yeah. had 60 days to shoot that. <laughs> so, and, you know, a lot of time wasted, but as I said before, sometimes when you work fast, things happen that don't allow a process of dissipation. To, for things to dissipate like they can do in a big budget film. Uh, we have one more clip, um, not to give away too much of the story, but your character, um, in, instead of going to an old age home, decide to, 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 takes off to Mexico to have a good time. Um, and you get into, uh, you know, get into an adventure with a suitcase full of money that you didn't expect to have. To have. So that's, uh, that's all I want to say to set up this scene we're about to see. So let's run the second clip. Hey, Red. I mean, we can drive right back across the bridge to Texas now. I mean, we got nothing to hide. Not this cowboy. Yeah. 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 Put the... Here. What are you doing? Yeah. Put that stupid thing no, away. No, 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 no. I'm gonna get my money back. Hey. Give this a whip old Smokey here to yeah. do it. Okay. All right, Red, just stop it now. Get out of here! Stop it, me, boy! All right, God damn you, get away from me! Red, this is insane! Get away from me, boy! This is insane! All right! All right, give me that pistol! Get, get out of here now! Okay, stop! Do you know what? No, no, no. Yeah. Let him go. I'll knock you down. down! He's crazy! I'll knock He's you crazy. down! You're totally crazy, wacko nuts! I ain't! I ain't! I ain't! I'm old, see? I'm broken, I'm alone. And I'm more scared of dying with somebody spoon-feeding me oatmeal than anything else in the world. And neither one of you know a damn thing about that now, would you? Now, would you now, by God? Yeah. I know you're gonna get yourself killed. Yeah. I know that much. Yeah, well... Stop that. I ain't asking you to stay and watch. You need her, say. Here, take my Cadillac. Take my Cadillac. And go on home to your New York daddy. So that's such a powerful scene. I mean, could you talk about what it's like when you're, you know, there's certain scenes in the film that are just so intense and, um, you know. Well, you know, I always try to make it sure it comes out of my temperament. So the young actor there, Jeremy from, from England, he had been in the war horse. He was jumping in on me at the wrong time. Hmm. And it made me mad. <laughs> so I said, jump in on me any place you want to. Forget about the script. So when he jumped in on me, like, unexpectedly, like, that jolted me and got my motor going, you know. So I, I went with it. I went with it. So you go with the moment. You go with what happens. You don't de deny the reality of what's happening at the moment. So I was able to use that in, within that situation. And uh, it's nice. And, and I don't know if I said the young lady from, from Columbia. Yeah. That's her first American movie. Wow. Her mother was a prosecuting attorney in, in Bogota. She had to sit behind a curtain when she prosecuted the drug, the drug oh, people wow. for safety reasons. And actually, her mother died again. She's a, she's, it's her first American. She's very talented. And she was at Cepeda. We were lucky to find her. 
And, uh, you know, as the movie goes on, I won't give it away, we kind of find one another. And uh, going to old Mexico, he finds a new life, a new love, and uh, things turn around for him, you know, that uh, start out very negative. It's kind of, kind of a sweet story that way. As we said, it's a yarn, yeah, a narrative, it, a fictional tale. It's yeah, it's kind of a. It, as I was saying before, when we were, it's a sort of surprisingly sweet movie. I sort of didn't expect that, but yeah, it's, it's like a, an old movie. A nice beginning, middle, and an end without um, too much violence, too much of this or that. Just a nice story. Yeah. That Whitliff came up with. It's a, it's a real Texas story. Yeah. It, it could be universal, but it's definitely a Texas story to begin with. I just want to ask one thing, then we'll take audience questions. But um, you know, we're, right now we're in a, a in a post a building that used to be a post office, and you used to work at a post office in New York, yeah. and you had your early days here um, acting in New York. So could you just talk about yeah, what you, well, you know, yeah. That in between jobs, which were few and far between at the time, you have to take jobs to get along. Dustin Hoffman worked here. Gene Hackman loaded trucks. We we had these jobs, you know, and uh, I finally got a good permanent job at the Forty Second Street post office. It was good. I never had money in my pocket like that. $100 at a time. I never had money like that. I'd, got, I'd been in the army. And it was terrific. And I, I really was grateful to have that job. But I said to myself, after six months, if I don't quit this job, I'll be here in 20 years. <laughs> so I quit the job. I had to. And well, go, to, go, <laughs> to go back, I had to be semi-destitute because, you know, I had to find my way in the, in the business. And I couldn't do it at the post office. And you started doing a lot of theater. Did you always want to go into films? Yeah, well, I, you know, I did. I, it's been a while. The last play I did was American Buffalo, uh, David Mammoth's play on Broadway that my good friend Ulu Grossbar directed it. And it was a beautiful production that he directed. They say it was the best one yet. That, and Ulu was great to work with. I did one film with him. With, uh, oh, with True Confessions. True Confessions. Great movie. And uh, he, uh, Ulu died, unfortunately, two years ago. He was a... A dear, dear friend, and uh, yeah. I used to do a lot of theater in Long Island and so forth. And uh, but now, you know, I figure any some of these parts I do in the movies, I could do in theater if I had to. Yeah. Not that I want to do it eight times a week, but you know. Well, you had a pretty good um, first film, uh, this thing called To Kill a Mockingbird. Absolutely, pretty, To Kill a, a Mockingbird. That's a pretty good way to start. Yeah, Hor <laughs> Hor yeah. Horton Foote, the great, the great writer. He and Francis Coppola, we did Godfather One and Two and Apocalypse, and then I wrote a letter to Coppola recently thanking him, saying, you and Horton Foote in, in my beginnings helped me. The both of them, very, very different in their thrusts. But uh, yeah, you were Horton Foote did that, we did that movie that Tomorrow in the black and white that you mentioned. Yeah, and, and I, I just read that um, there was a survey done recently of to pick the greatest speeches in movie history. And the number one um, greatest speech was I Love the Smell of Napalm from I Apoc... Thought, I thought it was 13th. No, it was first. <laughs> yeah, people come up to me uh, like, and say, like, they knew I said it, and they knew that I said it, and, and their attitude is that, like, only they and I know that I said it, <laughs> and nobody else in the world knows it, you know. <laughs> okay, so do we have some questions in the audience? And, and just w uh, wait for the microphone, so... Hi, thank you so much for coming. So I'm a big fan, you know, I, I love your old movies. So, okay, quickly, my question. You won the Oscar and so many Golden Groves, you know. So where do you keep all, you know, statues? 
Where do you keep you got your, so many you got so many studs. Where do you keep all your yeah, awards? Yeah. <laughs> he, w- he said you won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Gold, he wants to know where you keep all your awards. Oh, you mean the tr- the trophies? <laughs> I have a few. Yeah. Well, we live on a farm in Virginia, the state of Virginia. We love it there, and uh, the Oscars on a on the mantle, and then I have a a letter on the other wall from Marlon Brando. About and and I, I almost liked the letter from Marlon Brando more than the Oscar. You just said that um, you got a letter from Marlon Brando that meant more to you than the Oscar. That was a letter about the, the Apostle, right? The movie that yeah, you directed. Exactly, the movie I directed and other things. And uh, it was a wonderful letter that uh, you know I because uh, c- coming up, you know, we used to go to Cromwell's drugstore. I don't know if it's there anymore. At forty, uh, fifty, you know, Rockefeller Plaza. Myself, Dustin Hoffman, Gene Hackman. We used to meet there and. and couple of times a week, you know, and talk. And if we mentioned Brando's name once, we mentioned it 25 times. And like Jimmy Kahn said, if, if the young actors of that era don't give credit to Brando, they're lying. Because he was like a hero to us. He was like a mentor, you know. And I think it's good to have heroes in your life. You gotta have people you look up to, it, you know, because you, then you learn and you grow. Hi, um, what was your most difficult role to play? When I played Joseph Stalin on television, we went to uh, Russia and we filmed in the Kremlin. In the, in, in the Kremlin, nobody had done that before. It was very difficult you know, to play a Russian guy in English but with a certain accent. And uh, that was very difficult to do because with HBO, they weren't well organized. And uh, it was very difficult. But uh, uh, what ultimately what happened was when, we, when it was aired and everything, uh, Nikita Mikhailkov's father, the great Russian director, his father had worked under Stalin eight times. And Stalin and, 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 and Nikita Mikhailkov, the father of, you know, that had worked with Stalin, liked our production a lot. And uh, I guess he liked what I did a lot. So that was like a great, a great review. So it was a very difficult to do to go over to a foreign country like that and do that because that's right when things were changing. And it was uh, the first day I came out as Stalin, the people like ducked. And then when they served the food, the, the people weren't used to having good food. They piled bread on top of bread and meat on top of meat, you know, from the caterer. But that was a, that was a diff- very rewarding in a strange kind of way, in a negative kind of way. But it's something I always remember is very difficult, but pleasing at the same time. Hello. I first saw you years ago, back in 1980, and I was wondering how has the film business changed for you since then? You've been making movies since the 60s, so how have you seen the film business change over the years? Well, I think it's, it's changed, but it's still the same. All I can say, like, in the 70s was the golden age, so to speak, and that uh, uh, filmmaking, and it's as if the independent films were within the system, and now they're outside the system. Now they make the big blockbuster films, and the smaller films are more difficult to make, but it's still, it's still movie making, it's still action, it's still cut, it's, it's the same. It's just the emphasis is different, and, uh, and there's some famous director said, no good movies have been made since the 70s. Well, he hasn't made any good movies since the 70s. I won't mention any names, but they've been, they're good movies every year. And the young, the young actors now are as good or better than ever. 
because the door is open going into the 21st century. Instead of certain people wanting to be novelists or whatever, they, uh, they want to be scriptwriters, directors, actors, and, and the door is open. Look at guys like Denzel Washington, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, guys like that that couldn't, and 30 years ago, couldn't get a get chance. You have Darin of Argentina, you have Bardem of Spain, all these wonderful young actors the worldwide. Uh, that, and, and you see, then you go to a country like Iran, and like the Iranian filmmakers, some of them are very good. They say in Hollywood they make, they make machine-made rugs, machine-made movies. In Iran, they made handmade rugs, handmade movies. And if you see a movie called The Apple by a 17-year-old girl in Iran, it's beautiful. So it's, it's a worldwide thing. But in a strange way, even though we try to get away from it, Hollywood is still kind of the mecca or a semi-mecca. You know, people still want to come to this country, even when they don't like us particularly, and work here. So it's, it's changed, but it's still action and cut. It's still, let's make believe. Let's play house. Let's be like kids and play house, but as adults for money and for whatever, you know. So it's, it'll all, there'll always be a Hollywood. There'll always be movies, and it's a, it's a very in medium, even more than ever, going into the 21st century for many people, for young. There are many wonderful young actors now. For me, some people disagree, but for, for me, better than ever. Uh, two things. I notice uh, how well you use certain um, things like a hat or the car as characters uh, to add to developing your character. Can you talk about that, how you use certain uh, visual characteristics or like the car is almost like a character in the film? And also I want to hear what your production company is working on next or working on and maybe theater and such. Uh, yeah, what if your production company is, you know, any projects that are in the works? No, uh, production company is no longer. I got, but I, I work independent now more. But, you know, when you do a part like this, the hat and in a Western, the horse, the costume is very important. And those things of doing the hat and so forth, they come more intuitively. You don't necessarily plan them out. It just comes with the rhythm of, of each scene, so to speak. And the car. Yeah. And and the oh, and the car. The car. It's funny because in this, car, in this movie and also in the Downey movie, I drive a Cadillac. I told the director in the Downey movie, I, I drive a Cadillac. Why don't you change? They didn't change it. So I drive a Cadillac in both movies. But he had this, that was part, true, good question because it's like an extension of the character, the, the car. It's, it's all he's got left when he heads to Mexico, old Mexico as he calls it, with his, uh, with his, uh, with his uh, newfound grandson. It's interesting because a good, a good friend of mine, Buster Welch, he's in his 80s now. He's one of the all-time great cutting horse riders in Texas. He trained all the cutting horses on the King Ranch for a long time. And he, today, when he talks, he talks about going down into old Mexico. The old people talk about old Mexico. It's a, kind of a saying, you know, which is interesting. And I think that's where Whitliff got that as the author, thinking in terms of old Mexico. Uh, do you have any advice for a young actor or actress or writer? Is there anything that you, that you wish you had known when you were starting out? Well, you know, you always wish you knew certain things better. But I, for, for young actors today, I always say when I meet them, always get with a group. You can't act independently. You have to get with a group and kind of work together. And from there, maybe something will branch out for you. 
Go to a city, New York, Chicago, or whatever, Washington, maybe Washington, D.C., L.A., but, but get with groups that you can kind of rely on, you know, and from there, hopefully, maybe a springboard will happen into something in, on a commercial level. It's a pretty good idea for you to be roommates with Gene Hackman and Dustin Hoffman. That was, that was a good... Yeah, way back. Well, uh, <laughs> I good... knew Gene. Gene lived downtown with his wife, Faye, and he said, I have this friend coming in town with a shock of black hair. You know, he'd sleep on my floor. It was Dustin Hoffman. And Dustin, myself, my brother, Maurice Sterner was a cantor. We rented a wonderful railroad apartment, 107th and Broadway. We had great parties. Gene Hackman lived downtown. And I never see those guys. It's crazy because the country's so big. You know, people are all over the place. But whenever I do see them, I pick up right where we left off. Right, you know, it could be 20 years. We still pick it up, pick, you know. But good guys, good guys, talented guys. I was wondering what it feels like to you to watch yourself in a movie. Or if when you're, you see yourself, like you're clicking along and you see yourself, do you stop? Do you omit it? Or what do you do? Oh, well, what's it like, to, like watching yourself in a movie? Like if you have the TV on and you, and, and you show up in a movie, do you keep watching it? Or Sometimes you... I watch, uh, I shift sta stations as well, you know. It depends, you know, it depends. You know, I don't go over my old movies that much, you know, once in a while, once in a while, yeah. I think I'm wondering more what it feels like to watch yourself in the movie. Yeah, what does it feel, what does it feel like for you when you see yourself? In well, what, you know, yeah. it's, it, I, I watch with, uh, you know... I, now they have the, uh, when you do a movie, they have the playback, where every, where the, never used to have it that way, where the naked eye work, but now the directors watch through the box. And if, this, if a scene goes well, you know it, and everybody agrees that it's well, gone well. But I, I'm superstitious. I figure by the time I walk back to the box, maybe it's not going to be so good after all. So uh, when I watch myself, I just hope that I'm following a sense of truth, talking and listening, listening and talking, and as we are now in a truthful way. And, uh, you know, it's like that's the beginning and the end of it, to be truthful in a, in a set of imaginary circumstances. That's what I try to look for in myself and in other actors as well. Over here, okay. Uh, yes, hello. Um, me <laughs> and my sister, you know, basically think that the Godfather series is like the best series of uh, feature films, and I thought Tom Hagen was the best character to me, in my opinion. But um, my question is, do you find uh, that the older you get, the more harder the roles are for you to choose now? No, the, the roles come to you, you go to them, sometimes they hack, sometimes you'll plan with a production company or whatever, and you'll be planning something nice, but then something might come from around the corner that surprises you, that's, that's better than anything you're planning. You know, I was fortunate to, uh, in the last part of the 20th century, to be fortunate to be in the two biggest film, aside from Apocalypse Now, which was, was a wonderful thing, Godfather 1 and 2, and Lonesome Dove. Those two that I was fortunate, parts were very different. Actually, Lonesome Dove was my favorite part. I can remember walking into the, uh, to the dining room on Lonesome Dove and saying, boys, we're making the godfather of Westerns. <laughs> and I think we were, yeah. Okay. Well, it's such a treat to see you in this role. I think anybody who loves great acting is, um, is going to really enjoy this movie and get a lot out of it. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. It's good to be back in New York. Thank you. <laughs>